Welcome to the Lady Boss Podcast. I'm Laura Karun. And I'm Danielle Moe, and we're the founders of Lady Boss Midwest. We created Lady Boss Midwest to connect and empower women in our community and beyond. In this podcast, we'll be talking to lady bosses, empowered women, confident in their abilities and instinct, boldly leading with heart and integrity. Have you ever complimented a man on his outfit? And instead of saying, thank you, he says, it has pockets. No, because men's clothes come with pockets. It's standard. Pockets to put their wallet, their phone, their keys, their Kleenex, chapstick, snacks, whatever they want. Pockets in their pants, suit coat, dress shirts, sweatshirts, athletic shorts, robes, pajamas. Their pockets are everywhere. Front pockets, back pockets, side pockets, hidden pockets. They've got so many pockets, they don't know what to do with them all. Meanwhile, women are out here shoving their phones down their bras or their waistband or their socks. It's 2022. Why is this still happening? I am super excited today to be joined by the co-founders of Power Women. Power Women was created by two best friends who wanted a simple thing, pockets in their blazers. And if you know me, you know that I love a good blazer. It makes me feel put together and ready to be at any table. So I'm super excited about today's podcast episode and talking blazers and business and women's empowerment. Hell yeah. And as a special treat, I'm being joined by my co-founder, Danielle Moe, for the conversation. So welcome back to the podcast, Danielle. Thanks for having me, especially on a blazer podcast. I am also on the blazer team for sure. (laughs) We've been known to like make sure we're coordinating our blazers of course. Yes. You have one on you have one on now? I don't. It's a button up, so not too far off, but <laughs> but close. Um okay, well, let's let's dive in here. Founded in 2019 by Kimberly Borges and Miriam McDonald, Power Woman is a clothing women's clothing brand that creates fun, feminine, and functional blazers with real pockets that cater to women women's actual needs. The Dallas-based brand has transformed the icon of professionalism, the blazer, by creating pieces that flatter a woman's figure while providing her with complete functionality and style. The brand supports the future of powerful women by providing them with the tools they need to always be prepared to close the deal. Kimberly and Miriam, welcome to the Lady Boss Podcast. It's so fun to have you on today. Thank you so much. We're excited. Yeah. Hi. So cool Hello. to be here. This is awesome. Hi, lady bosses. Hello. It's awesome that you're hired. That was a great intro. Oh, thank We're you. We're going to copy it. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to start our conversation with a little bit of background on the both of you. So you both grew up in families with strong entrepreneurial women, which is so cool. Tell us a little bit about that and like what it was like and how that shaped you. So I grew up, well, I grew up in Mexico and I moved to the U.S. when I was 10. And um, my grandma, I guess, is like the leading matriarch of the family. She has like multiple businesses. And my grandpa died when my mom was 15. And my mom's the oldest and she's the oldest out of five. So my mom was 15 and my aunt was the youngest at eight. So five kids in there. And my grandma never remarried. And so she kind of like 
like raised them on her own basically while also like being a doctor and like owning a private school and just being like really really successful so that's who I look up to the most is my grandma mm-hmm. and then awesome. um all the women in my family are entrepreneurial like every single one of them it's kind of cool and I feel like I for a long time fought that entrepreneurial spirit because I was always told that you have to be a doctor and now that I'm doing you know something so obviously entrepreneurial it feels so natural like it feels like I'm it just feels like instinct but so my grandma also matriarch of the family um had to support four children and she has her own restaurant which is still up and running in Colombia and it's called El Meson Antoqueño, and it's delicious. I used to run there after school because I also grew up in Colombia. I moved to the U.S. in 1997 when I was seven years old, and um, I would run there after school and just stuff my face with, like, every single bit of food she had. <laughs> and then my aunt, she has her own business as well. It's kind of like a bakery, but she supplies the supplies for the bakeries. Um, her name is Julia, and she is a badass, like, truly a badass. And um, she put her daughter through school, college, sent her daughter to Germany, paid for it all. And now her daughter, my cousin, Myra, is another badass entrepreneur. She has uh, two boutiques and a bar named The Box in Barcelona, in Spain. And it is such a cool bar. And like, she was a lawyer. Like, she just, she quit being a lawyer. She was like, I'm done with this. I'm going to do my own thing. And just open three businesses and she's like so, so she's awesome and then my aunt she's an economist and she lives in france and she is um has like i don't know she she can do pretty much anything it's amazing and then my mother gloria she is she and i are pretty much twins and she used to be a, a, a pilot like a small engine pilot and then she opened up her own salon she had her own restaurant and she had a boutique named escandalo which is which translates to scandalous but she sold non-scandalous clothes. Um, I know. Some of it was a little scandalous. But she would fly to Miami with, like, a ton of bags and then uh, go, go like, buy a bunch of inventory, fly everything back to Colombia and sell everything there. And she started out of the room, out of a room in my grandma's bedroom because she had me and she was a sing- single mom back then. So she came back to Colombia and – we were sleeping in my grandma's room, like living there. And she would have like little, like her friends would come and visit her and she would sell them the clothes. And it got so big and there was so much traffic in the house that she eventually was like, okay, I need a store. Um, so she had that store and I would help her out when she, I was, well, help is a loose word. I would <laughs> hang around the store as like a four and five year old. And I wanted so badly to be her. Like I used to like punch like in the calculator I would just pretend to be calculating things because she would always be on the calculator with her receipts and stuff. Yeah, lots of inspiration. How are you not supposed to be an entrepreneur? Like, (laughs) I don't know why anybody ever expected anything other than that from me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's so amazing. So, okay, you both have entrepreneurial sides to your families, but you started this business after you were both selling Cadillacs, right? So t- tell me that story. How did you meet and how did you go from selling Cadillacs together to creating blazers for women? So we met in college. We met at Texas A&M and we were like, we we're friends because we hung out like the same friend group, but we, we never hung out one-on-one, no. like ever. 
which is weird because uh, now we're, we like we're inseparable. inseparable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we didn't really hang out one on one. So after we graduated from college, um, I was hosting my friend's bachelorette party. And Kim had just come back from Columbia because she she went to medical school in Columbia. She was broke. <laughs> I was broke, yeah. <laughs> I have a penny to my name, quite literally. I didn't even have phone service. No, Did you, you know didn't. that? No, I, I had a, I had to text through Wi-Fi because wow. I, I didn't even have, like, yeah, it was bad. Anyway, so Kim didn't have any more money after she moved back from Columbia. And she texted me. She said, I can't go to this bachelorette. And I was like, oh, don't worry, girl. I got you. So Kim was like, what? I know. I was like, um, I haven't talked to you in like in years. Are you sure? And she paid for me in full. And I was like, pay me back whenever you can. And like my first paycheck, that's the first thing I did. But go on, go on. Yeah. So after that, um, because I paid for her, I guess her husband thought I was, or her fiance (laughs) thought I was really rich. And he was like, you need to go work where she works. Well, because she she used to work, we used to work at Sewell. Well, she still works at Sewell, but like that company, she, I mean, anybody that works for Sewell, you, you're just going to hear great things like the culture, the customer service, the compensation, everything. And Miriam was doing really well and she was really happy about it. So Jack was like listening in, my husband Jack, and he was like, you need to ask her how she got in and if she can get you an interview. Yeah. And she did. Yeah, so she I got, got her an interview and then she started working there and... That's how we became best friends. Yeah. Really. We were selling cars. <laughs> yeah. And if you know anybody in car sales, it is brutal. Rough we worked job. six days a week, 12 hours a day sometimes, if not more. Like there were times that I didn't leave the dealership at 11 or 10. She still doesn't leave the dealership all the time um, at a normal hour. Sometimes she's there till 11 or 10. Um, and so you just form really strong relationships with those around you. And Miriam and I were like comrades. Like we did everything together. Um and when we were there, that's where the concept of car only came up. We, I mean, I think I think like six months into working at Sewell, I realized I'm working really hard. I wonder how, how hard I would work for myself. Like it just kind of clicked in me that I was like, I'm I'm dedicating. I mean, I I loved it because I it was very customer service oriented, and so I got to make a lot of special stories with the customers. So they, it wasn't just like buying a car, like. If a customer was buying an Escalade because they were having grandchildren for the first time in their lives, we would have like little baskets of toys for their new grandchild so that they would have entertainment in the back or or like little books or stuff like that. So that part was my favorite thing. And so when when we were at Sewell, we were always constantly thinking of what can we create? What can we do? um, How can we keep growing? And one of the things that clicked for us and this is a, a struggle that we had every single day is we never had a blazer blazers with pockets to even carry like pepper spray when you go on these test drives and you're by yourself and you're with a complete stranger and like things have happened um so not to us but to other salespeople. so we i mean i always had that in the back of my mind and we had several instances where like i would have male co-workers pretend to be my intern so that they would go on the test drive with me just so i would feel safer but we couldn't carry pepper spray. I couldn't carry, you know, most basic items like business cards to if you meet someone and you want to leave a lasting impression, you want to say like, hey, come see me at Sewell. This is a business card. I couldn't do that either. And then I think the last straw for us. So I was training an intern and I couldn't get a hold of her. And she had one of my customers who was working with my customers and they were texting with her. 
And there's a saying in business called time kills deals. And it stressed me out that I couldn't reach her. And I didn't know what my customer was saying. I didn't know what where the deal was. I didn't know where she was. And when she got back, I was like, where the hell's your phone? She was like, oh, well, it's at my desk. I was like, why would you leave your phone at your desk? And she was like, well, I don't have pockets. And I was like, what? That just blew our minds. So that's kind of where the idea started brewing. And I called her on, it was like, Christmas Day? No, you Was had it? just been at you had just been in Dallas because she used to, we eventually we, we used to work at Houston and I moved to Dallas and I still was working for the same company. I think it was December. No, you just said December. I think it was August of 2018, and I called her and I was like, I kind of want to start my own company. I want to name it Power Woman, and I wanted to do this. And I called her and her husband was in the car with her and her husband answered before she did. Like they were both like, yes, like, let's do it. They were so eager. And I thought I was going to have to convince them, but they were like, hell yeah, let's do it. And then when Miriam and I got together, the idea just like grew and the, the bla- I mean, the blazer itself conceptualized and the pockets and the print and all that. It grew from that. Did you have... Any mentors to help you get your brand started? Um, yeah, we had, um, she, I don't think she, we never like called her our mentor, but she definitely had a, a soft spot for us. And she helped us a lot with connections and with advice. Her name is Rachel Cipperly and she founded her own company um, back in the day. She just sold it, I think. But I was pregnant when I met her and I met her because her cousin was in town and she, her cousin went to a like a panel of speakers, a, yeah, yeah, in Dallas. And her friend was on the panel talking about investors and venture capital and all that stuff. And Rachel was on the panel, and so I was hearing her talk. And I was like, I gotta introduce myself to her. Like she is so smart. And I was nine, like I was ten months pregnant. I was about to pop. I think I had I had my baby the next week after. Actually, yeah, yeah, I had Sophie the next week, and so I scheduled. That day, I scheduled an office hours with her the month after Sophie was born because I knew I had a feeling. I was like, if I don't schedule something for the month that Sophie's born, I'm probably never going to leave the house. Like, I'm just going to be some I'm going to be so overwhelmed. And so that was the first thing I the first time I left the house was for that meeting. And it completely I mean, it's how we got our first event Mm -hmm. where we met our first customers where we did our first booth and it was it looked like an insurance table. It was like a white tablecloth <laughs> with like four sample blazers. We didn't even have inventory. And we sold over two thousand dollars worth of inventory that night. We were blown away. Wow. We didn't even have we didn't even, we were like, are you sure? Like <laughs> you guys don't even know what it's gonna look like. <laughs> but women were pumped because it had pockets, you know, and that's this speaks to the volume of how much we want and deserve pockets. Absolutely when you were talking about car sales in particular, you brought up customer service. Is there other skill sets that you feel like you learned in that, you know, 60 to 80 hour work week that you brought over to what you're doing now? Um, Laura and I have talked a lot about like being entrepreneurial in a traditional eight to five job. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you feel like there is a lot of translation from what you were doing until now? Yeah, I feel like so much. So in car sales, I guess, you're technically like your own little business Mm -hmm. because you have to like um, manage your customers, communicate with them. Like that's how you get paid. Like your customer. Yeah. You're on commission. And so if you don't sell a car, you don't make money at all. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, it's not like you're hourly. So if you don't handle your book of business well, then you're not going to be successful. And so a lot of things, we learned a lot of things that carried over, like how to be a good speaker, how to communicate with your customer, how to manage tasks well, mm-hmm. sales in general, just like being a good salesperson, yeah. not being like too pushy, like, you know, yeah. which is a sales is i think everybody in life should learn how to it's a basic life skill like i I tell miriam that when my daughter is old enough and maybe she graduates college and she's not sure what to do like i'm putting her in car sales (laughs) it's such an education like you know i talk to mba people and the things they talk about i'm like wow i learned that in car sales like the psychology of selling is more about listening than it is speaking and the discovery process of why do you need this? What are you going to use it for? Where are you going to use it? Um, how do you feel? What are you looking to feel when you buy this? That's really important. And that's something that we learn from car sales. Also, just being self-motivated. Like, they don't hand you customers. Like, some of them walk in, sure. But there's also, like, 20 of you on the sales floor. And maybe four people, four people walk in in a day. Like, if you're not one of those people that grabs that customer you're out of luck you're not getting paid so having the self-motivation to look for customers email them call them text them um it's that persistence was developed at school i mean we've always i've always been pretty intense and i think miriam is too i mean when you want something you Mm -hmm. definitely have to go get it um and so at school it was like validated that that persistence and that intensity was like honed and kind of directed towards a goal and so now that for us starting our own business, it was terrifying. Don't get me wrong, but like it didn't for us. Like, I feel like a lot of people when they start their own business or when they're thinking about starting their own business, they're always like, how do I get customers? How do I do this? Like, that's the part that stumps them. It wasn't, that wasn't the part that stumped us. Like for us, that was like, we'll get customers. We'll talk about power when nonstop. We'll network. We'll tell everybody we know. We'll email people. We'll call people. We'll go to events. It, the part that stumped, not even stumped, but like kind of perplexed us was like the journey. Like what what's the first step? What do you do first? Like manufacturing, designing, all of that stuff. What has it been like finding your way in the fashion industry in particular? Hmm. That's a good question. It's like, it's been pretty... I don't know. I feel like that's such a funny question because sometimes I'm like, are we in the fashion industry? I know. Because we don't come from a design background, it's hard for us to say we're designers. Granted, we are designing. Like we are these blazers are made from scratch. Like we don't use any templates. We don't use any like these are these are straight from our brains. So we have to kind of be stronger in saying that we are designers. Yes. Like we have to we have to step into that role. We are designers, we are business owners, we're entrepreneurs. But the design world is, is it's different because information isn't shared readily. Um, so you have to be very scrappy with how you find things out. And it's expensive to find these things out. Learning, like I always say, we may not be, we may not be paying for an MBA, but we're paying for an MBA through this company. Like we're getting one and we're paying for it, certainly. Yeah. Like mistakes are costly, but something you kind of learn along the way is that that's just the price to play, you know? Um, so the fashion industry, like everything in, in life, you can figure it out. You can ask questions. 
I've emailed and messaged a lot of people. I've messaged, I shoot my, I shoot my shot a lot. Like, I don't care. I just send the message. I send the email. Um, one person that we messaged was a pattern maker, is a pattern maker for Kanye West. And I DM'd her and I was like, I'm having trouble with these pants. Help me, please, 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 please. And she messaged us back and was so helpful and so kind. And I was like, dang, that's insane. Like, that's wild. So shoot your shot. It doesn't matter who's – I mean, when people DM us, I'm like, hell yeah, I'll hop on a call with you. I love helping. (laughs) Like, it's the best. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to chat more with Kimberly and Miriam of Power Woman. It's time to highlight our women-led business of the week, Checkable Medical. As a parent and a patient, Patty Post founded Checkable Medical to help families save time and reduce the cost of care through innovative at-home testing kits. From time in the car, to waiting rooms, to delayed appointments, giving up hours of time for a negative test result is exhausting. That's why Patty started Checkable, to help people make clinical, evidence-based decisions from the comfort of home. With accurate results, easy to administer tests, and an app connecting you to telemedicine and prescription providers, you can now test, diagnose, and get prescribed in a matter of minutes, not hours. They also recently launched a new line of supplements with clean ingredients to support total body health and functionality. Check out checkablemedical.com for more information and to find out when their at-home test kits will be available. You love what you do. Let Lady Boss Creative help you share that with the world. We're a women-led team who loves to see other women-owned and led businesses succeed and thrive. When you work with the Lady Boss Creative team, we'll combine your unique vision and goals with our creative strategy and marketing expertise to create a brand that resonates with your mission and audience. From logo design to website creation to jumpstarting your social media strategy, We're here to help you propel your brand forward. Visit ladybosscreative.com to get more information about how we can help your small business. Welcome back to the Lady Boss Podcast. So Kimberly and Miriam, I love that your clothing is empowering and inclusive. Why is size inclusivity important to the Power Woman brand? I feel like... Because, well, one, me, I'm not like a size zero. Yeah, neither of us are small. We're both, yeah. on, I, we're both larger women. Yeah. And, it, you know, we're comfortable with that. Like, and I just, and recently I felt like I felt this, like I wear a size 12 or 14. Right now I'm a 14. I'm a <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go to like J. Crew or like Banana Republic and I'll try on their pants. And like, it doesn't even go up my thigh because I have really thick thighs because I have CrossFit. And I'm like, this, what is this? And that's like the largest size that they have in the store. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is like, I don't ever want anybody to feel like that whenever we, they come to our, to like our store or our website. Like I want everybody to be able to find something that they like. And in the beginning, I mean, we weren't even size inclusive to the extra, extra smalls. Mm-hmm. Like at first, our first places were small to extra large and that was it. And then that's when we realized like, oh, we need to make sure that we're not just including like our our, our size sizes, people. but like yeah. smaller sizes as well. Mm-hmm. So that was like a big 
that was a big eye opening for us when we started. That was huge. And then just dealing with size charts. So whenever you are manufacturing or designing, um, when you send your designs to the manufacturer, they have size charts that they use for big brands and it's all a standard size chart. It's why you go to Zara and nothing fits. Yeah. <laughs> it's why you go to J. Crew and things maybe you size up or maybe you size down, but it's not like quite right. Um, those size charts are based off of either women where things are being manufactured or women in Europe. Um, we have different diets. We have different lifestyles. We have different scopes of beauty. I mean, in 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 other countries, like being strong and having muscles and and like lifting weights may not be seen as beautiful, but in the U.S., like that is is a movement. Like we both lift weights, we both want to feel strong, and we have strong shoulders. Like our shoulders are strong, you know. Um, I always say I have a Dorito shaped body, upside down Dorito shape. I have a triangle, and it's I've grown to love it. It is what it is, and I've grown to learn how to dress it. But I never could find the right blazer for my body. Like everything, one that's like comfortable to you can like move your shoulder, yeah. and you're not like constricted at work, and you're not like I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah, because like at work we had to bend down and check the tires, or you know check for little things where you're you're moving, you're moving a lot up and down the stairs, and whenever you go like this and you hulk out of your blazer, that's so annoying. Like what? How, why? I'm wearing my <laughs> size. Why am I hulking out? You know why is the lining ripping? So. Those are all problems that we addressed by creating our own custom size charts, literally based off of the women around us. Like we measured, if you came within five feet of us, you were getting measured. Like I, I hope I never get hit with a sexual harassment <laughs> lawsuit for measuring so many women. I'm like, I need to measure your inner thigh. I need to measure your boobies. I need to measure your shoulders. And we made the, I think we call it like the sisterhood of the traveling blazer because these blazers just fit so beautifully. Like it looks tailored when you try it on. And it's because they're made for us. They're not made for a woman overseas. They're made for the women here um, with what we eat and what we do. And we don't want to have women meet us where we're at. We want to meet women where they're at. So if you're telling me that's a size large, that's a size large, you know? When I've, when I've seen like smaller indie brands just starting, they always have a goal of expanding their size range, but they start, you know, a, like a normal size range that you get in any big box retailer. So the extra mm -hmm. small to extra large, and they intend on expanding further than that, but cost is a big concern. Do you guys have any mm -hmm. advice with starting Mm -hmm. size inclusive and not hoping that your business can get there because i think i think a lot of brands do want to start being yeah. size inclusive but there's some cost issues or do you guys have any advice on starting an inclusive brand so we made the mistake of and this is a learning curve yeah like miriam said we made small to extra large we didn't even take into account extra small extra extra small now we offer extra extra small to 3xl um cost is absolutely absolutely a factor the manufacturer does not care what sizes you choose. They're going to fight you on the larger ones, especially if you manufacture overseas. They just care that you order a certain amount. So, for example, say your minimum order is 50 units. It doesn't matter if it's 10 extra smalls, 5 larges, or 5 extra extra larges, as long as it's 50 units. So our advice, if you're starting your own brand, is to find out what sizes you're comfortable producing, who is your customer, 
Like be aware of who your customer is, talk to them, see what size they are, ask them for their measurements and make those sizes. You know, if, if your core customer is a size range of like extra small to extra large, make those sizes. But if you're seeing people coming up to you and saying, man, I wish I had this blazer in a 3XL, man, I wish I had it in an extra, extra small, a lot for those in your, in your order production. And just be aware, you know, you don't have to make a lot of them. Like, obviously, the most popular sizes we sell are small, medium, medium large. large. So, but that doesn't mean that we make the same amount for each size. Like we, we allot the majority of our production for those popular sizes, but we do not ignore the sizes like the extra, extra small and the 3XL. We still make sure we make enough of those based on our previous customers and what they have bought. So don't expect your first round of production to be perfect, like you order the perfect amount of units. Use that, invest in your learning, invest in your education. That first run is an investment in your education. Just talk to those around you and see what they would like. Sure. Well, then I guess you probably figure out your recipe of how many of each size over time. Yeah. And we're learning that. I always have Miriam um, dictate how many we make of each size. She's really good at just kind of taking a look and analyzing those numbers. Um, because I sometimes tend to look at what's directly in front of me. Um, so she'll look at what has been sold. And we have an app called Back in Stock. So whenever someone requests a certain size and a certain unit or a certain style, it lets us know. So then next time we order, we're like, listen, 10 people have already requested this size. Let's make sure we have at least 10 in this size for this style. I feel like when you are somebody who, like, let's say you are an extra, extra small or you're a 2XL, 3X, like when you find brands that actually carry your size like you're a customer for life then like you're excited to find those people that actually see you as a human and like want to yeah. sell to you mm -hmm. we have a lot of loyal customers because of that because yeah. they get their blazers and it's the first time i've ever had to just it's the first time i've ever fit into something seamlessly without having to like compromise comfort compromise luxury compromise quality compromise style like just because you're super small or just because you're super like you're larger with you, you got muscles or you're just a curvy woman. That doesn't mean you don't get to, you, you have to feel less beautiful or less stylish or you get to express yourself any less. So I feel like we have a lot of loyal customers because of that. Cause we experienced that. Yeah. And I mean, if you're going to the office, you're wearing your clothes, I mean, five days a week for mm -hmm. over eight hours. Like you want to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. You want to be in clothes that fit you, not that are too tight. Exactly. So the pockets that you put in your blazers, they're not just little squares of fabric. Like what do those pockets represent to you? You go first. No, I've Why? been answering first everything. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, for me, the pockets. This is a good one for you. I love, like you should see my baby backpack, like my diaper bag for Sophie. It is prepped to the max. I have wipes, medicine, extra clothes, extra snacks, extra diapers. Like it is my survival backpack. I love to feel prepared. It is for me, I plan a lot to make sure that I'm never caught unprepared for any situation. So when it came time to go to work, it just felt so, it just gave me anxiety to always feel like I had to carry so much in my hands and I have stuff on my desk and where are these set of keys and where's my cell phone and where are my business cards. So for me, the pockets 
are a peace of mind because I'm prepared. I am ready for business anywhere at all times, no matter what. I could be at the grocery store and I might catch you looking at my blazer. You're getting a business card. <laughs> like it, it is what it is. And every time I open up my blazer, every single time women go, because oh, it's like so novel. They're like, what? You have pockets on the inside? I don't even have pockets on the outside. So it's really cool. For me, it just means like it's kind of like leveling the the playing field. You know, it's one step closer to a, a total equality to where I don't have to, you know, do something extra while just to be seen as the same. It's like, okay, look, now my wardrobe is just as efficient as yours. And that's what it means to me. Okay, you go. For me, I feel like my answer is just a little bit more selfish. <laughs> no way. Let me hear. I just would hate when I would, would like carry a purse, or, like carry a backpack. And then like my husband would be like, okay, can you carry my wallet? Oh, can you carry my phone? True. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. So now I don't like to leave the house with like a backpack or like a purse. Mm. Like I'm like, no, like that's it. Like if that's it's true. not fitting in my like blazer then it's not coming anywhere yeah like keys phone and i have like the phone where it has like your credit cards in the back so i literally have my credit cards my phone and my keys mm -hmm. and like that's it i mean people see i don't know if it's like instinctual to see women as like vessels <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i mean we carry babies we carry a lot of stuff and i've had it i've had it you know i was at a wedding in cancun once and one of our close friends he asked me to carry his stuff yeah, that's so and annoying. I was like seven months pregnant. I snapped at him. I was like, I'm not your mom. You carry your own shit. And I just walked away and I was like, damn, that was kind of mean. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm just like over it. I don't want to carry anybody's stuff. I want to carry, I already have to carry Sophie's stuff. I don't want to look after your wallet and your phone. And so I. And your hat and that you take off inside because you're warm. What? Like a like a beanie or something. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. just thinking of Chris. <laughs> oh, you're thinking of yeah. Chris. I was like, when do I wear a beanie? Um, but yeah, it just gives you a lot of independence, a lot of individual, like, this is my space. This is my area. This is not for you to use. These are my pockets. My husband, anytime we're at a store and, like, they'll give him a receipt, he'll be like, oh, can you put this in your purse? I'm like, this is not a garbage can that I'm holding. Yes. I mean, it kind of looks like a garbage can. Right. <laughs> you open it up. That's, but like, yeah, that's true. I also, I hate that. Like, if I could just not ever carry a purse and just have everything in my pockets, I would much rather. But it's weird because, like, men have yeah. always done that. Like, men don't carry. People don't, you don't ask. I mean, yeah, people, women ask their husbands to carry their purse because their hands look so damn empty. It just pisses us off. You're just like, here, carry something. Make yourself useful. <laughs> but like, they don't, their buddies don't ask them, hey man, can you carry my phone? Hey man, can you carry, you know, my wallet? Never. Weird. That'd be weird. They make themselves, this is something to learn, is, you know, create your own boundaries. People will only ask you for what you allow them to ask you. And the blazers are just a boundary for you for people to be like, oh, they don't, they can't carry myself. They don't have a purse. They don't have a purse, <laughs> you know. What have been some of the greatest challenges you faced being business owners and entrepreneurs? I feel like there's lots of things that just like random things that come up that you don't even know about. Yeah. Like, well, for one, like creating your own size charts has been like yeah. the biggest struggle for 
for Kim, I would say, because she's the one that does it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's a huge learning curve. Um, it's a huge learning curve and like not going to like design school and like, I mean, because we don't have a design background or like a fashion background. Like, that's not what we did. We sold cars. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that aspect of the business, I would say, is the yeah like the hard part. Learning how to do every the thing is every day when you're an entrepreneur is the first day. Like, very rarely do you get into like this. Okay, I know I, everything that I'm doing today. I know exactly how to do. Like most days, there is something new thrown at you that you have to learn from scratch. And you're having to like YouTube it and Google it and like ask everybody about it. And so it takes you a lot longer to to finish like simple tasks that maybe someone with experience could just knock out in 30 minutes. It might take us five hours. Um, but I will say there is like ignorance can someone sometimes be a little beneficial because because we had to design these blazers without any knowledge of design, without any knowledge of fashion history or anything like that. We, you know did it from scratch and we made the blazers how we as a consumer wanted to wear them not what fashion has made before because we didn't know so the fact that blazers don't have inside pockets for women any fashion retailer would have just like oh well that's how blazers are made for women that's what i'm gonna keep making but for us we're like well we don't know how they're made so let's just throw a bunch of pockets inside and on the outside and see what happens and they look amazing like they fit great and the pockets don't do anything i don't know why everyone's afraid of pockets inside the blazers of women's blazers it's weird but that's one of the benefits of being like so ignorant to everyday or like normal things that a designer or business person would know is that you just approach it with brand new eyes and you by by instinct you just think out of the box because you don't know what's in the box so it's it's not bad i like it you just have to be willing to learn yeah, and that was one of the things when when I quit my previous job to start Power Woman, one of the things that signaled to me that I was ready to quit, other than, of course, having saved enough money, um, was that I wasn't learning. I had stopped learning, and that drove me insane. I wanted to keep growing, and I felt like I was just jogging in place. Like, I had already gotten good at this skill. What is next? And nothing nothing and I kept asking like hey I'm ready for that next step and then it happened you know within my time frame I'm super impatient and I was like you know what I'm a hard worker let me just go on off and do my own thing but yeah the learning learning every day is not a bad thing it's a great thing it's mm-hmm. a privilege what lights you up the most about the work that you do you go first <laughs> <laughs> um for me it's just like getting all the testimonials from like women that buy our blazers oh, just being like I felt yeah like they'll they'll send us like dms with like I wore my blazer to my first day of my job today and I felt so confident or like I I wore my blazer today and I finally like spoke up during a meeting oh. and I just I just felt so great like those are to me are like the best the best messages we get those are yeah. amazing when women just message us and we're like we get to be a part of their big moments. Yeah. Like I wore my blazer um, to have a meeting with my manager to discuss a promotion or I wore my blazer on my first day. Like we're, we're there with you. Like we, we put every, they're named specifically to motivate you and to hype you up and to make you feel like your girlfriends are right ne- there next to you being like, you go girl, like get it, get it, get it, you know? And so like, they're all named like the one, like it's hard. 
it's from Legally Blonde, the I'll Have What She's Having from When Harry Met Sally. Um, the pumpkin spice latte of the PSL is actually named Pretty Sassy Lady. So they're just kind of little things to throughout your day to remind yourself, like, I am that bitch. Like, oops, I am that I am that girl. You know what I mean? So that you're not having to hide or pretend you're someone you're not. Like your clothes tell the story for you and you just get to be who you are. So that is, I think for me, the same as Miriam. Like those testimonials are super special in the fact that we get to be a part of their day. And also for me, something that we're working towards is we want to create a legacy for our children. So I have a daughter. Um, Miriam will have a child in the future, hopefully a daughter. Well, I, I'm, 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 I'm okay with the boy too, but I would love it if you had a girl. Um, and we want to leave this legacy of our children looking at us and seeing us fearfully pursuing our dreams. Like fearlessly is such a, no one is fearless. Just because you do something doesn't mean that fear dissipated. It just means that you did it in spite of fear. So I want them to see us fearfully pursuing our dreams and just being adamant about we will get this done. We will learn. We will grow. And that's a, that's a legacy that I want to make for Sophie. That's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the question that Danielle and I have been asking women since we started Lady Boss is, what do you think that women need right now? I think women just need the space and the confirmation to, to act as they are. You know what I mean? Like, for a long time, we have thought to have a seat at the table. We got to the table. We're at the table. But we're not really being ourselves. We're showing up as who, they, who we think they want us to be, right? There's a lot of unspoken rules, a lot of unspoken expectations. And I think women just need to liberate themselves of those expectations um, and just come as they are. Like, if you are a boss woman and you want to wear pink, wear the damn pink. Like wear the damn pink blazer, stomp into the boardroom, command the boardroom. You know, you don't, because say you're going to an interview and you're going into this interview and you're thinking of what to wear and you think, well, I don't want to look too emotional. So I'm not going to wear a lot of bright colors, but it's like, that's not a bad thing. You know, being empathetic or being emotional or being able to connect with others or being able to be self-aware of your own feelings is not a bad thing. Like, Business should be done as you are. So if that business is feminine, then do feminine business. That means if you want to cry, like I cried in front of a lot of people <laughs> last week because we had a you know a big thing happen with our manufacturing, and I don't. I mean, I was sad. I was frustrated. I was you know angry, and I allowed myself to feel those feelings. And I wasn't any less professional for doing so. I wasn't any less validated as a businesswoman for doing so. It is what it is. And so I think women, more than anything, need to be liberated from those expectations themselves. They need to liberate themselves from those expectations and then just come to the table as they are. Like We're ready to see them as they are. They deserve to, to come to the table as they are. I think also women need to be like celebrated. 
And you can celebrate <gasps> yourself, yeah. you know? Yeah. But like sometimes I feel sometimes I see like Kim and I'm gonna use you as an example. Oh my god, what's gonna happen? I'm sometimes so I feel like I see you like struggle because I know that you're you're doing your best. <laughs> no, listen to me. Okay, okay, okay. Like sometimes you have bad days and that's okay. And sometimes I feel like you blame you put so much pressure on yourself because mm-hmm. you're like, I'm not being a good mom or I'm not that's doing true. this. And I think you're a great mom. And I think that, you know, you should, we should celebrate moms. We should celebrate working women. Like, we should just celebrate all women. Yeah, that's true. Because we're all doing our best, even if you just, you know, have wear sweatpants all day. That's true. You know, even if you didn't, couldn't get out of bed. Like, you know, sometimes you just have those days. The little wins, man. I mean, women should be celebrated. Mothers, career women, wives, single women, whatever, like, you're, your value in society should not be determined by who you are to someone else. Like yeah. it should just be because you exist. Like you don't have to be a mother to be celebrated. You don't have to be, you don't have to get like, for example, Miriam and I have been talking about this a lot because, you know, we're both 31 and all of our friends have babies, you know? And so the subject of like, Miriam, do you want a baby? Are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? What's going on? And it's like, Women are allowed to have babies whenever the hell they want. Like, there is no timeline. Quit projecting your timeline on us. If she wants to have a baby when she's 40, then she can have a baby when she's 40. Who cares? You know? So that's something that we've been talking about a lot. And just, like, those expectations. Like, let's just celebrate women where they are. Yeah. Miriam is... And celebrate women for... Just living their best life, trying to live their best For life. thriving, baby. Yeah. For living and thriving. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Miriam and Kimberly and Danielle. This is such a great conversation. I feel like we could talk for hours about this. It was so much fun being with other amazing female co-founders. So for our listeners who are at home and they want to connect with you or they want to learn more about Power Women or buy some kick-ass blazers, where can they find you? So you can find us at our website, which is www.pwrwmn.shop. That's powerwoman without any vowels.shop. And on our Instagram, which is us, we don't have like an Instagram manager. It's us, you know, hiding from Sophie, trying to answer DMs. Our Instagram is um, at, okay, at, I was like, what, how, do you, how do you say that word? At pwr underscore wmn. And my cell phone number is, let's get okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you can reach us at uh, those area or those two places and we're always there and we, we would love to see y'all stop by this has been another episode of the lady boss podcast thank you so much to our guests and to all of you listening in if you want to hear more subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode are you a lady boss find all of our events resources and ways to get connected at ladybossmidwest.com and connect with us on social at ladybossmidwest <laughs>